You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message. Second Corinthians chapter 3 is where we find ourselves. And I thought it would be good for us in this season of prayer and fasting. Uh, and we'll have the words on the screen, Lord willing. <laughs> Um, but I thought as we're setting aside prayer meetings on Wednesday night, worship uh, you know, nights on Friday nights, the daily devotional, um, as a church, as a community, before we jump back into Exodus, of course we're going to get back into Exodus, we're halfway through, um, you know, it, it just to, to talk about prayer and talk about fasting. Uh, like I said, next week Trip Kimball will speak um, just about the importance of intercessory prayer, especially when it comes to missions. When you can't go, what can you do? We can intercede for people. And the power of that. And then Pastor Robin will share in prayer as well. But this week, this week I'm going to talk to you about this slide. If it works. Boom. It's a personal slide. It's something that I think we all go through. Dealing with disappointment in prayer. Dealing with disappointment in prayer. And so I want to read this verse. I want to pray, set my heart, get into it. And we'll just talk about this subject from this text, and as we think about freedom and what God all has done in our hearts, the enemy can come alongside of us when we don't have our prayers answered. And what do we do in those situations? Because for most of us, we just get so discouraged, we either give up and just, we let it go. We don't run to God. And so, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through uh, chapter 1, verse 4. It says this, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Praise God for that. Now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's been a theme verse for our prayer and fasting. We've talked about that. We've prayed about that. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to glory to another. For this, this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now this is chapter 4. Therefore, because of this, Verse 1, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace. God, we thank you so much that we come together even with a disappointed heart at times, not knowing the answer. But Lord, we do know you. And we come to you and we ask for you to be glorified in our lives. We thank you so much that we can come and uh, submit to your authority and hear from your word. I pray, God, that you would speak through your word tonight. Lord Jesus, speak through me. Thank you so much for this real subject. And I pray it would be beneficial and um, edifying to your body. And so be glorified, God, as we look to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's do some text work real quick and just walk through this. Because, you know, the theme has been freedom. And in verse 16 it says, But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. The Bible teaches that as we turn to God, as we repent, that's another word for it, we actually are truly saved. God makes us new. This isn't behavior modification or a whole bunch of rules we're following. No, this is God making someone spiritually dead, giving them life and making them born again, Jesus would say, are spiritually uh, alive, eternal life. Through the gospel, Jesus forgives our sin. That separates us from God. He makes us spiritually alive and we are set free from sin and are now on the path of righteousness. And the Bible says, when this happens, it's of the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 17. 
Every believer here in Jesus has the Spirit of God now that is dwelling in us because we haven't just been saved from sin, but for a purpose. We're slaves of sin, born into sin, but now we're slaves of righteousness. And God frees us for that. He gives us in His powering of His Spirit, the person of Christ, to dwell in us because sin separated us. But now that Jesus paid that full atonement, the Spirit of God dwells in us and He empowers us. And you know the whole role of the Spirit of God is to point us to Jesus. He transforms us. He sanctifies us. And so this is why in verse 18 it says, And we now, with an unveiled face, or being born again, or you as a brother and sister in the Lord, knowing the gospel, beholding the glory of the Lord, right? We're pursuing Him. We're seeking Him. We have a relationship with God. Now we're being transformed into who? The same image from one degree to another. The Bible says God uses all things to good, those who love Him, called according to His purpose, to make Him more like the image of His Son. For this, this work, doesn't come by our own efforts, our, our, our try-harder attitude. It just comes from beholding the Lord. And this comes from the Lord who is Spirit, it says. Our action is to look to the Lord, and He does this transforming work. And it is an incredible thing just to think about, that you and I are being transformed day by day. This is not your best self. You are only going to get better as you abide in Christ. And the Bible says when you do that, you bear much fruit. God is doing a work in your life as you pursue Him. But then Paul says in chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, because of this, because of this incredible truth, having this ministry of mercy, we do not lose heart. We don't give up. Now you would think because of this, there'd be a prayer revival. People would be giving offerings and doing that. Like there's some other action word than like, all of this is amazing. So we're just not going to give up. He's acknowledging a spiritual truth that I think we all go through, that it's so hard to be human sometimes, to understand our dependence on the Lord, that He has to do that work in us as we pursue Him, because we can get dismayed or even discouraged as we actually go to Him and try harder and we fail over and over again. We need to be reminded that there's grace for this. He says, because now we have the Spirit and are being transformed, we're still going to deal with discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged? Have you been discouraged today already? It happens. We're human. We have roller coasters. It's up and down. And I know, I know what you're thinking. You just talked about the gospel and we're free. So why in the world would we have crazy emotion, downs, all this different stuff? Why would this happen? Because, man, even though we see God with the unveiled face of who He is and His glory, we are not God. We are human. And we're being transformed from glory to glory. It's a journey. And the Bible wants to teach us tonight that we don't have to have it all together We will never fully understand God completely this side of the earth. It's like a dim mirror, Paul would say. But yet we know enough to have eternal life, to be saved. Yet it says we still have a ministry, even being discouraged, even being weak, and we're not going to give up. Now, what does this have to do with prayer? What does this have to do with prayer? I think we all dealt with and experienced answered prayers and unanswered prayers, right? I know in my life, I've seen a lot of prayers be answered, and I've probably seen more prayers not be answered. And it's a constant battle in my mind. God, why why did you 
heal this person but not heal this person? Why did you say yes to this and no to this? Like, I, I'm trying to wrestle and think through. Like, God, I, and I thought I'm free. I have the Spirit of God inside of me. I'm praying according to your will. Like, how do we pray while we're still discouraged? God can work and do miracles, so why didn't He do a, a miracle in that work, in that life, in that season? He doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want. And this can and is discouraging. Wouldn't you agree? I think if you walk with Christ for any amount of time, you're going to realize you're going to go through discouragement, especially when it comes to the things of Christ. Because you're like, God, I'm going to pray. And Paul right now in this passage is acknowledging this great mystery that you and I live in, the tension, that we are free and yet we are still on a journey. We're, we're not in heaven. This isn't our home. But we pray that home would come and dwell with us as heaven on earth. And Paul wants to make sure that we're on this journey. We just don't lose heart. We don't give up. We're still able to serve God and follow God even when He disappoints us in prayer. Even when He doesn't ask, answer everything that we want. Even when we go through a trial and suffer. I want to talk to you about what do we do with this tension as a Christian? Living in freedom and practically feeling like you're not free at times. It may not be you, but I feel this tension all the time. And especially when it comes to prayer. Interceding for people. And the first thing I want you to understand is this. You need to understand that you're not alone. You're not alone in understanding this, in feeling this, in knowing. We see Scripture. He's giving you this principle and He's saying, because, therefore, we still have a ministry. There's still a purpose for your life. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. The saints of old have experienced this type of disappointment as well. I just want you to think about that. Think about the Psalms, and this is why they're so powerful. They're prayers that are raw. They hit hard. They're real because they're actually dealing with real people's emotions. There's a book called Lamentations, which means to weep or to, to really just lament, right? This should actually encourage us so that in our lamenting, in our discouragement, in our weeping, we could know that this is a normal process of being human. People suffer. Christians suffer. They pray to God, and He always doesn't answer the way they want Him to. The Bible teaches us this, and we experience it. And this can make us question God or our faith at times. Is God real? Is He true? Was, was I wrong in my praying? Did I have enough faith? Like, what, what's, what's the secret formula? I have this promise, and what about the timing? And, and Listen, it's not just you. It's the saints of old. It's followers of Jesus, not just then, but even today. It's people like me and you. And I've had so many unanswered prayers that it's brought so much discouragement especially when you pray over and over and over again. But I want you to know right now, if you're going through that, you're not alone. We deal with it. I'm serving the Lord, and I have served the Lord, discouraged in certain areas. There are beautiful things about being free, but then there's also this, the reality of we're not just in the sanctifying part from glory to glory. There will be a day of glorification where the presence of sin will be no more. And we need to practice in prayer a thing that helps us, saying your will be done is trust. 
Because ultimately, when we don't get our way, there's something that God does in form to transform us to trust God. Now, I'm a big Advent reader. We're going through this 21 day uh, fasting. I'm slowing down. I'm just trying to read one. I'm in like two or three books, but one primary book right now. I've only gotten to like page 30, and it's already fire. It's called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. It's by this guy named Tyler Statton. He's a pastor in uh, in the Northwest uh, where I grew up at, and um, he says this, faith is the assurance of what we hope for. We know that. I think it's Hebrews 11.6. It gives us that definition. Faith is the assurance of what we hope for, but trust is confidence in the character of God. Now, we know biblically Romans 10, 17 says that the word of God, that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You hear the promises of God. It builds your faith. You put your faith in that. You hope for that, that God comes through. The word of God builds our faith. But I want you to realize that prayer builds our trust, our intimacy, our relationship. Because now it's no longer a a promise of what God has said or something out there, but you're actually trusting as you're listening to God and Him directing you and saying yes and no, and we're learning to submit in prayer. Prayer builds our trust. God, I don't don't understand it, but I'm going to trust in who you are, your goodness, your character. God, this is terrible, or I can't believe you did this, or we could be ourselves. Even though we may not be able to understand it, we can lean back on the perfect will of God and His character and we can grow in prayer and grow in our trust and love for the Lord and have intimacy in that way. And this is why prayer and the Word of God go hand in hand. As we practice prayer, it isn't just for every follower of God uh, to just do it in, uh, alone, but even in community. It's for everyone. We pray without ceasing. We're not alone. And I think the second thing that could help us is knowing that we're not just alone And the old saints experienced this. We experience this now. But did you know that Jesus, he experienced what we're going through, the tension? Remember, he was fully God but fully human. And Jesus actually had unanswered prayers. Do you know that? He had unanswered prayers. In Mark chapter 8, verse 22 and 26, there's a story of a blind man where Jesus goes and he heals them. And um, it didn't work. It's funny, it's weird, we don't think about it, but it was an unanswered prayer. He prays, and the blind man wasn't healed. He goes, can you see? And the guy's like, nah, man, people are still like trees. And he goes, okay, okay, let's pray again. And then he prays again, and then he's healed. So it wasn't a healed, it was an answered prayer, but it was unanswered because the first time it didn't work. He persisted in prayer. Now, you have to understand this is important for you and I because Jesus was perfect in all his ways. He was fully God, but fully human, sinless life. Okay, He was perfect in faith. He trusted God. He knew God completely. It wasn't a lack of his faith that caused that prayer to go unanswered. And oftentimes we could even think sometimes, well, just it's my lack of faith. And Jesus had a moment where he had perfect faith and it went unanswered. It could be that reason, but it's definitely not all the reasons. It shows us that we are to persist in prayer. Sometimes God wants us to pray for that thing over and over again. Matter of fact, Jesus taught this in Luke chapter 18. And he says, don't lose heart. And he gives us this this example of this widow asking this unrighteous judge over and over and over again. Sometimes unanswered prayers happen and God just wants us to pray again. Maybe that's the reason to just go back to him again and again. 
Now, this is probably more of a familiar passage that you may know in Luke chapter 22, verse 39 through 46. It's in the garden of Gethsemane. It's where the Lord went. And he said, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. He was talking to the Father. But did you know in that passage, in that section, he actually prays three times. So he doesn't just persist one time. Over and over again, God, at this cup, take it away. If you don't have to do this, take it away. If you don't have to do this, take it away. He's persisting in prayer. And in his persistence, the Father tells him no. So now I can't even manipulate God. I can't even go on my own behavior. Like I'm just going to keep on going, keep on going, because God has to do it. Has to. Nope. In Jesus' persistent prayer, he had a yes, and now he even has a no. A no from God is an important thing to understand. And I wrote this down. A no from God is not a rejection of his love. The Father loved Jesus perfectly. This is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. And yet the father told Jesus, no. And just because he tells us no, even when we're persistent, does not mean he loves us any less. Jesus persisted in prayer and God didn't answer it the way he wanted it. So our, our efforts, our work sometimes can't just manipulate God. But Jesus, we know the fulfillment of that no and that unanswered prayer again was on the cross. It wasn't just a promise it was going to happen. It actually happened. So that no now brought a pain to Jesus. Jesus cried from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The full wrath of God was poured upon Jesus, and it was a painful thing. God not only told Jesus no, but that no brought pain to Jesus. Sometimes God's no could bring pain to your life. You can suffer because you don't get what you want not just emotionally, even physically. Meaning, sadly, sometimes unanswered prayers are a part of God's plan for your life. That's the harsh reality. We must know through prayer that it is not just about us and our ways. And the fourth thing, his highly priestly prayer, John 17. You may know it. We celebrate that right now, right? United 21 Days of Fasting. We're, 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 we're glory commands a blessing and unity. And when we have unity, man, isn't it sweet? When you come in this fellowship and you see someone you miss and they're hugging you and there's just, man, is there's no like sin barrier and no awkwardness. You're just loving it like God's commanding a blessing. It's incredible. It's a beautiful thing. But it's not always how we act. Not always how, how, always how the body of Christ acts. I mean, we know nationally that the most segregated day of the week is on a Sunday. That the church of God does not walk in unity at times. And the Bible says right now, Jesus is interceding, Romans 8.34, Jesus is interceding for us right now. That means right now at times, Jesus is still living in a situation that his prayers are unanswered. Right now in heaven. Because we bicker, we fight, we argue in churches, in our families, in our fellowship, and we are not one, not always perfect. So it means the answer in John 17 isn't completely filled, and he is patiently waiting because it will be fulfilled. He's still praying, and he's still believing and waiting. We even see in our Lord Jesus, we're still to pray, we're still to believe, and we're still to wait. Prayer causes you to grow in patience, doesn't it? But the Bible says this is not heaven, 
But all our, hands, all our prayers will be answered in heaven. And Revelation says there is sweet incense unto the Lord that he hears our prayers even when they're unanswered. Jesus right now is speaking to the Father about you. He hears our prayers. And this is why this next important is so important for us to deal with unanswered prayers and disappointment in our prayer. We must understand God's perspective and truth in the situation. You're not alone in the fellowship to the days of old, the saints, Jesus Himself, your Savior, but also you need to understand that you need to take God's perspective and truth in the situation. Now, another guy that leads a lot of prayer, he's the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement. And I came across a great article that maybe I'll post on social media this week. It's by a guy named uh, Pete Gregg. I, I, I have not actually read any books about prayer from him. I actually read a book about how to uh, hear from God, the, and it's an incredible book. Uh, you should read it. It's great. But he says this in this article. Um, Why hasn't God answered my prayer? That's the title of the article. I was like, whoa, I'm speaking on that. I'm going to use some of this. When we're asking ourselves why God hasn't answered our prayers, it's helpful to think in terms of three things. God's world, God's will, and God's war. And what he means by this is God's word, God's will, God's war is so helpful for us because he's basically saying you need to have God's perspective, his truth on the situation. God's world. He says some prayers aren't answered because it's just the way God made the world to work. We live in a world where there are laws of nature. Gravity. When you reap, you will sow. There are sin, there are consequences for our sin. C.S. Lewis put it this way, nothing can seem extraordinary until you have discovered what is ordinary. They call them miracles for a reason. If they always were miracles, they wouldn't be miracles. And so we have to understand that there is a law and an order and God has given us parameters to live in a fallen and broken world with sin. This is God's world. This is what he's dealing with. And there are reasons why he does the things he does. But there's not only just God's world of what he set up being like passive, like it's amazing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But there's also God's will. He's interactive in this world. He's sovereign. He has a providential hand. Pete Gregg says, sometimes we just have to accept God's will. Sometimes we just have to accept that God knows best. Sometimes we just got to accept God's will. This is the hard part of unanswered prayer. This is where you and I wrestle with, is Jesus trustworthy? Is he that good? I don't like this. And this is why the Psalms are so beautiful because saints, this is what saints say. I don't like this. Matter of fact, God, why don't you kill them? Squash their heads, those enemies of mine. What? That's, that's almost like heresy. I thought Jesus tells us to love our enemies. And you have David being like, kill him. Because in our emotion, don't you feel like that? God wants you to be real with him in prayer. And when we see these prayers, it gives us an open gate to actually be real with God. This is where we need to lean on the word of God and the character of God to help us trust God in everything that he says, that he is all good and all powerful and all wise, that he will make every wrong right, and this is not the end. There is a will of God, and he will rule and reign completely by force 
He is coming back again. But right now, there are other wills as well. There's your flesh. There's the flesh of others. And there's a demonic realm. And this is what he says. There's not only, there's not only God's world, God's will, but there's God's war. He isn't just the only agent or person of a will dealing with in the world. There is a spiritual battle going on. Again, Pete says in this article, the Bible teaches us that there are things that happen in this world that God does not want. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, instead of blaming God, God is weeping over your pain and crying right along with you because you're not getting what He wants? Because this wasn't the way it was meant to be. Jesus looked at the people and he wept. He had compassion over the city. Listen, Satan is real and so is your flesh. And there is a spiritual war going on. The enemies of our soul, the flesh, the world, and the devil. And there's a lot in hurt and pain in this rebellious, sinful state. And in God's gracious and His mercy is making all things new and bringing people through this process of redemption and it will ultimately be renewal. So understand God's perspective through this world will actually help you. And so we need to cling to Scripture. Because if not, we're going to cling to our emotion. It's going to disappoint us because we're disappointed in the outcome. And it's going to cause us to just separate ourselves from the Lord and not have zeal in prayer. The last thing I want you to know when dealing with discouragement and prayer, or actually I'll, I'll quote this verse, this is why our prayers are vital we can wage warfare and ask for God's kingdom to come. I love how God lets us participate in this whole thing. We're not helpless. We still have a ministry of mercy. There's something you can do. Do not lose heart. But as we're focusing on the Lord, getting His perspective, understanding Jesus struggled with this. My brothers and sisters right now, people in Scripture struggle with this. The last point is this. We must understand that God is with us in our disappointment. That God is just right there with us in the midst of our disappointment. You know, ultimately, when we don't get our prayers answered, the big question that comes to our minds is why? And that is the wrong question. Why isn't this happening? Why does this go? We ask a lot when we don't get our way why. But the bigger question, the more mature question, the biblical question we should be asking is where? Where is God in this? What is He doing? Where can I find my hope in this? Is, is my hope in the situation getting a yes or no or my way? Or is God my hope? Can I trust Him in this moment? Ask yourself that in the struggle you're dealing with. Where is God in that moment? How have you seen the struggle actually help your life and Him work still? And here's the great news. He's always with us. Psalm 23, verse 4, that section, it's a long psalm. It's six verses, but it says, Even though when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the discouragement, the despair, the valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God is always with us in our disappointment. There is no condemnation in Christ. He is not disappointed that you are disappointed. He is faithful even when we are faithless, for He cannot deny Himself. This is who He is and the character of who He is. And in my prayer life, I've experienced this as I complain, as I whine, as I argue, 
as I disagree wholeheartedly sometimes with the maker of my soul and all of yours as well. He still loves me. And isn't that the power of the gospel, that transforming work that you can literally be yourself who is imperfect and God still loves you? There is an unconditional love that you experience in dealing with disappointment in prayer. That alone we should be glorifying God for. God wants us coming to Him in our pain and in our mystery, and He tells us, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. Again, Tyler Stanton in his book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, says this, If prayer is the source of a deep wound or disappointment for you, and it just stood out to me because I actually had my whole message before, and then he talks about disappointment. I'm reading this book like, amen, brother. If prayer has become a deep wound or a disappointment, remember what do we have to do? We have to remember truth, get God's perspective. Remember that when trust is broken in a relationship, it doesn't get healed by silence and distance. Healing requires the courage to re-engage. And the biggest thing that we see in my life, my struggle and the temptation is, is when I get disappointed in prayer, I don't want to pray anymore then because I don't want to deal with disappointment but God is better than my disappointment. And it's worth going through the disappointment to get to God's love and where he meets us. We have to re-engage. Even if he tells us no again, and even if that no brings pain and brings disappointment in our life and pain and frustration, when we seek him, we get his presence and he will walk us through that. And that's why people of prayer have intimacy with God. Not just Bible scholars, for a hope and a confidence of something to come, but an experiential trust in the character and goodness of God because you know Him as a friend and you've seen Him work and be faithful in your life. He wants us to come to Him to pray without ceasing. And this is why Paul says, because you are free and in this tension and you deal with disappointment, God is still so gracious He can use you. Don't give up. You have a ministry of mercy. You feel like crap right now discouraged, you're not getting your way, you're human. Welcome to the club. God knows that, and yet He freed you, gives you His Spirit, and then transforms you by His Spirit, and are filled with the Spirit of God to do only what He can do. So Paul says, we do not lose heart. We're free, and we praise God for that. But we struggle in our freedom, walking with God. And we praise God for that because it helps us depend on Him. Even in that, we have a, mercy, a, gift, a ministry of mercy. We can still show up. We can still worship God. We can still serve God. We can still sow seeds of faith. We can still give tithes and offerings and make a heavenly investment to what's to come. It's not based on that. We just not, not need to give up. We need to rely on who God is and not our own disappointment in our own feelings and, and, and emotions. Tyler Stanton says this again in page 21. It's about as far as I got in the book. Been so busy. But tomorrow's my Sabbath rest. I'm about to hit this thing at the beach. I heard it's going to get a little bit warmer too. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he says, how do we pray? How do we pray? In all the midst of this, 
the most straightforward response is to talk to God about what's on your mind. That's it. So if you're disappointed right now, do it. We're fasting and praying, seeking God. If you're on a high right now, do it. Just what is on your mind? And when we go to the Lord in prayer and in His presence, the Bible says He brings freedom or liberty. He brings strength. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Not the answered or unanswered prayers. He brings joy. We bear much fruit as we abide in Christ. And so I just want to encourage you guys to do that. To know these things. You're not alone. Jesus had unanswered prayers. I have unanswered prayers. But when I help and refine my mind, it's for the renewing of the mind that we're transformed. We're actually to get God's perspective in this. And we understand that God's not disappointed in our imperfections. It actually help, causes our heart to love Him even more. Because now we could just rely on Him even more. And so as we close our service, man, let's take time to remember the mercy of God. It said that we have this ministry of mercy. The mercy is we deserved hell. We didn't get hell because Jesus took on the wrath of God for us. We, we actually have hope and believe He's with us because He not only died, but He rose again. And so the worship team is going to come on up. We're going to sing a song about how we can actually engage and make God the king of our heart and take communion. And we have the elements in the aisles right here for you to participate, for you to grow. You don't have to be a member of the church. You just have to understand that God loves you, that he died for your sin, that he rose again. And as you come to him, the, the elements of his, the juice represent his blood shed for without the remission of sins, the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without his body being broken for you, you're still in your sin. And he rose again and gives eternal life. And so we tell people to go by faith, stand, do it. And enjoy the presence of God. And as you take the elements, we'll have Pastor Robin come up and we'll take it together. But man, aren't you glad that there was a perfect will with the Father, with Jesus, and he said no to Jesus? That God actually wanted to pour out his grace? He, didn't, he knew who we were at and he said, no, no, no. Don't let them try it on their own. Don't have them perfect him. Don't even let them say a prayer and then just leave them on their own and like let them, let them earn this whole salvation thing. No, I'm going to walk them through it. I'm going to justify them, declare them righteous. I'm going to sanctify them, make them holy and declare that they're righteous even when they don't feel like it. And I'm going to give them a glorified body and they're going to be with me and I'm going to do all this work. And the work that we do, Jesus was asked that, what is this work that we do? Believe on him whom the Father had sent. Just don't give up. Do not lose heart. Continue to abide in Christ. And so let's sing and let's worship God and let's take communion together. And remember that there are times of refreshing as we repent and go to God. Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Williams at Redemption Church in Delaware Beach. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We pray it was an encouragement. It was a blessing to you as we love to pursue and to proclaim Jesus together. And so no matter what you're listening, whether it be YouTube or our podcast, you can go to more resources at redemptiondb.com and even partner with us in ministry to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. God bless you. And thank you so much for listening.